Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 podcast. I'm Joel A. Erickson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Nate Atkins. This is the First Impressions pod. It is Saturday night. I will say Sunday at least five times during this game uh, because I'm in a football press box, and that means it's Sunday. In well, my it, is, it is technically Sunday. Well, look at that. It is Sunday, so now I'll be accurate. Um, as long as I don't say it about the game that just happened on Saturday, the Colts blow out the Steelers 30-13. to 13. I know it probably didn't feel like a blowout, but that's really what it was after the first quarter, honestly. Um, the Steelers looked like the Steelers. <laughs> it's, 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 we, we talked about how uh, we talked about how on the, on, uh, on the preview podcast that the Steelers were a bad team, and a lot of the reasons to believe in like the chances that the Steelers could beat the Colts were, you know, either history, the Colts just not ever beating the Steelers, or turnovers, or something weird. But if you looked at the numbers, the Steelers were a pretty bad team. And the Steelers are very bad. They're very bad. This is their third loss in a row. Uh, they lost at home to the Cardinals. They lost at home to the Patriots. And they got blown out here by the Colts. And it's a Colts team that today you give them a lot of credit because they worked through some pretty crazy stuff where they didn't have Jonathan Taylor Michael Pittman gets knocked out of the game. Of course, they're on a backup quarterback as well. Uh, just some of the receivers, running backs, the skill players that they had to put around their backup quarterback were not ideal in terms of, you know, but it tested their depth, and it just – Steelers didn't have an answer for that. And it just came down to the fact that this Colts team just looked like it had a lot better top-level players than the Steelers did as they have all season. Uh, but also what really stood out to me is just this one team today, even though they're both 7-6, and six, they're both playing for the same type of wild card standing, one of these teams today looked mature and together and focused and confident, and the other one looked like it was just completely unraveling. And so uh, luckily for the Colts, they're on the winning side of that, and it's just an incredible turnaround from a year ago. The Colts were, were kind of the team that, uh, that didn't really have any direction to it. And this year, this game, I think, really summed up kind of how everything's moving in the right direction under Shane Steichen. Yeah, I mean, they're 8-6. and six. They're they're very firmly in the playoff race. They got help tonight uh, with the Broncos losing. Uh, they helped themselves by having the Steelers losing. So last week on this podcast, we were talking about uh, how there were six teams at 7-6. of six. Two of those teams are now behind the Colts. Uh, there are others that have chances to lose on Sunday. Uh, if they may have lost already, depending on when you're listening to this, um, this it was a big win. I, I think, you know, the Colts are in a position now where being eight and six, you can, in theory, lose to Atlanta this week. You don't want to on Christmas Eve, but you'll you'll still have a chance. Like we talked about the playoff chances, and if you lose this game, it goes down to twenty percent. This was a, a pretty big game, and they won it. Uh, I think we should get into the cat. We're just going to hop into the categories. Um, easiest way to do it. Hero of the game. I'm going to give it to the Colts offensive line. So today was, you know, we talked for a while about how they needed to get back to running the ball. They've had one before today, one good rushing performance in the past five games. Teams have been playing base defense against them you know they haven't had Jonathan Taylor all that was true today except it got worse when Zach Moss got hurt in the second quarter and now they were down to Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson uh, two players who combined for uh, maybe five carries coming into this game on the season uh, less than 10 for sure and it was Tyler Goodson's first NFL carry I believe no he had I thought he, he had, had three, three catches carries. or the catches okay um, yeah, and today they went out, you know, the the run game went out and had 34 carries for 170 yards. And most impressively, the way they just put it away, I mean, 
there's a drive there third quarter into the fourth quarter where they ran 13 times in a row and took off almost nine minutes off the clock. And that was, I mean, that, that's one of the toughest scenarios in the NFL when the other team knows you're going to run it, and especially when you have backup running backs. And I give those backs a lot of credit because I think they, they matched each other very well. Goodson sort of more your your versatile uh, speed back and, and Sermon a little bit more of that bruising runner. But in terms of the hero, I think it has to go to the offensive line. There's just guys I, I talking to the backs, talking to the tight ends. They were just blown away at how those guys performed out there where it really looked like how this team used to run the ball back in when I first got here in 2021 and they ran all over a Bill Belichick defense. They ran all over the Bills in that snowy game in Buffalo and that team won the rushing title. It had just disappeared all of last year and they, they'd had good moments this season they hadn't really dominated on the ground for a while uh, but today they went out and did it and and it's just just really impressive especially when you factor in the fact that that Blake Freeland you know had to start at right tackle Braden Smith was out uh, I thought that double whammy of not having Braden Smith and Jonathan Taylor is a big reason why the run game's fallen off. But today it did not matter at all. I mean, both Sermon and Goodson were over five yards a carry, both of them ripping off runs of more than 15 yards. Uh, this was an offensive line absolute domination. And what they really did was take it to the Steelers down the stretch and and really just beat them up. And that's, that's kind of a demoralizing thing that doesn't happen a lot in the NFL, but it happened today. Uh, I think they deserve a little bit of credit for for settling down in the pass rush too. Um, gave up two sacks early. The third sack, I would say, was a Gardner Minshew sack where he definitely should not have kept the ball with an unblocked T.J. Watt. He definitely should have handed that to the not running great, back. Not great. <laughs> um, but after that, not really much of anything in terms of hitting. And I, I think part of that was a, a game plan that was designed to get the ball out fast, to deal with Watt, that kind of thing. But the offensive line did a pretty good job. Ryman bounced back. Um, against Highsmith, he had he had one bad rush early on, but he for I, I mean, did you notice Highsmith much? No, really. Yeah. Um, so I they, I think I thought they did a good job in in pass protection too after after a rough start. Um, yeah, and I think what was key there with Watt and Highsmith, we we knew that was going to be the matchup early on. It looked like those guys were going to win, uh, but once the Colts started really running the ball and running it for long stretches. I think they just wore down that pass rush. They had not only cut down the opportunities to rush the passer in obvious dropbacks, were very few of those in the second half for Watt and Highsmith, but they also just wore them down. Those two guys did not practice much this week because they were the concussion protocol. It's late in the season, and you know guys like that do not like you know having to play the run and have that downhill force at them time and again. And so the Colts did to them what they did to teams you know back in 2021. They also just didn't throw the ball really after the second, mm. after the after the half. It did, Minshew threw the ball seven times after the half, <laughs> um, and most of those were on the first couple of drives because, as you mentioned, they they kind of ran the game out. I I cannot believe what I am about to say. And listeners of this podcast who are familiar with the the way this has gone, I, I'm going to give here the game to Gardner Minshew. Oh, there we go, and. A lot of it is based around one play that they had to have. They're down 13 to nothing. They're facing a third and five. Nothing has really looked good on offense for them. Gardner Minshew rolls out to his right, escapes the pocket. He's going to the sideline. He starts doing something we've seen before where he starts backing up, and it usually ends very poorly. And then he motions with his hand. And if you have watched the Colts all season and you are not a little bit terrified... <laughs> then I assume you were drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and and we were all wrong because he hit Michael Pittman Jr. for a 42-yard pass. Three plays later, they score on a, on a play where the Steelers just sort of didn't cover Zach Moss. Um, I went back and looked at it. I thought they kind of flipped it out over their pass rush. There wasn't even really pass rush. It was just kind of an easy little throw. Um, but they score. It's because of that third-down conversion. And then outside of that, you know, he was 18 of 28, 215 yards. The, the The overall yardage numbers don't seem a lot like a lot. He had three touchdowns and no picks. The thing that stuck out to me about this being his best game, it was that throw, but it was also the fact that the way this game started, with Watt getting a sack, Larry Ogunjobi got a sack. He got sacked three times in the first three drives. 
And when Gardner Minshew has been under pressure this season, I don't think I need to tell anybody, it has not looked good most of the time. When he's been on the move, it has not looked good. Today, he was able to play better than he's looked most of the season and came out of the pressure, didn't succumb to it, and and made plays. They they It was 21 to 13 before they really stopped throwing the football. And all three touchdowns were, were Minshew. He went back to DJ Montgomery. There's a, some, some weird... Uh, history there where they're both from Mississippi and they played each other in high school and they uh, worked out together after Minshew's first season in the NFL. Like, real, like, where did that come from? Um, DJ, believe it or not, DJ Montgomery's 27. I do believe did it. Not know I that. do believe it because I've already written a story about it. He's been around a long time. <laughs> so, um, another great, great story from this game. And and so, but, but yeah, I mean, they needed Minshew to be more than he's been most of the season, and for at least one game, he did it, uh, and made made the throws. Especially that forty-two yarder—that's the best play he's made all season. That was a total game changer because they were down thirteen nothing. I believe that was third down. They're about to punt it. Their offense is doing nothing. They they were at risk of putting the Steelers in the spot that, you know they want to be in, where they're the tired defense. And the Steelers are running the ball. And that play was exactly what we said they had to avoid, which is Gardner Minshew having to lift up the team down, obvious passing situation, T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith chasing him around. It's all the things that sounded like it was going to be a nightmare, and yet he turned it into a dream. And he also just had just a lot of nice plays from then on out in this game where, you know, the one touchdown that D.J. Montgomery dropped was a pretty nice play where he stepped up again, same situation where he stepped up, he's under pressure, we're scared of what's going to happen next, and he turns and right before he's about to get hit and he throws you know, to a guy that broke open and it was right there. And unfortunately, D.J. Montgomery didn't catch that one, though he made up for it you know, on the next drive. And I give Gardner credit for that too, is that we have seen starting quarterbacks here for the Colts not go back to guys who hurt them when they throw them the ball. I know um, who you're talking about. Quarterback from 2021 like to do that. Uh, Gardner, very next drive after DJ drops that, goes right back to him for two explosive plays and a touchdown. And that was just a, a great moment of, of him showing his resolve, him showing belief and building that belief in, uh, you know, a young guy like – or a, a guy who hasn't played a lot in DJ Montgomery. Uh, that's, that's what you want quarterbacks to do, and it was – kind of a lot of the we just saw much more of the poise and the veteran type of play that I'd wanted I thought we were going to see more out of Gardner this year uh and haven't but today it all showed up so he deserves his flowers I'm going to guess our villain of the day is the same do you have it already I do okay I'm going to count to three and we're going to say it at the same time to see if it's the same one are you ready I have a feeling it's not the same one. Oh wow I'm still going to do this one, two, three. Demonte, Demonte Casey. Casey. <laughs> Told you. Dang, I <laughs> I didn't know you were gonna go that way. <laughs> I, I I don't think anybody like this is the one time like we normally we say it's the MZU villain. We put out the disclaimer. I, no, it's just straight villain. Well, I just didn't think you were gonna go that way because sometimes like you don't lo- love when I pick like the opposing player for these categories, but. Yeah, I, this time, this, this one is like a, we've done it before where like we've gone like refs or something. This one is, is very, very obvious. Like, you, I, I talked to a lot of Colts players about this in the locker room after the game. The story is already on IndyStar.com. For the most part, Colts players gave him the benefit of the doubt and said they did not think that he, how did Zaire Franklin put it? He said he didn't wake up this morning thinking he was going to do something malicious. Um, but I tend to side with Julian Blackman, who said we've got to get that out of the game, and I don't know what he was thinking, but that can't be in the game. It, it, it would be hard to be more defenseless than Michael Pittman Jr. was when he got hit. He was airborne, diving, completely unable to protect himself. And the thing about it is, the angle that from which KZ was coming, he was closer to the ball than he was to the player. Like, play the ball, for God's sakes. Like, he could have tried for a pick, which would have been a nice play for the Steelers. Huge Seems play like for they the could have used a day where they didn't get plays from anybody. And this that, that play summed up to me kind of where the Steelers are at. And you talk to people who cover that team, um, 
it's kind of a knucklehead team right now. And he was a knucklehead out there uh, diving right at someone's – just right at his face mask. Uh, you know, it was a scary moment where Pittman's down there on the ground. And, you know, that's a guy that's always bouncing up. And eventually he did, which, uh, which showed his toughness. But it took so long because it was such a vicious hit. We've got photos, some great – you know, had some great photographers um, – from the Indy Star. Who Bob Shear and Grace Holler, I think. Yep, they both teamed up where they got different angles on it. And you see Pittman go from basically being straight like a board to being bent like like almost like a toothpick snapping. And this is one of the most physically imposing receivers. It just shows you the sheer force with which KZ launched right at him. And it's just stuff that it just shouldn't be happening. I mean, there's there are moments in these games where – I think there are guys trying to play the ball. Things move really fast, and there are collisions that are just unfortunate. Uh, that one did not look to me like a guy playing the ball because uh, the ball is the closest thing to him. Uh, it just it just looked like a vicious hit, and I thought he deserved the ejection. And it ended up, you know, really biting the Steelers because then all of a sudden they're running out of DBs because Minka Fitzpatrick got hurt. And like on the next play, on the next play. And by the end of the game, they've got some very, you know, low on the total, low on the depth chart safety in there that Trey Sermon's just ragdolling because <laughs> he's not used to being in that spot. Like they kind of did this to themselves. This is what that, you know, that they're in such a hole right now. This is like today to me was a big show of which team has resolve at seven and six and which team has kind of fallen apart. And um, so KZ's. The villain for our podcast and, and probably for the Steelers podcast too. Bonus bonus villain to Michael Walker for uh, horse collar. I, I'm just going to make this case real fast. I know horse collars happen and we kind of look past them. Do you know when the horse collar was banned? Mm. What year? A while ago. 2005. I was going to say, I thought that was when I was That play got banned, pup. if I remember right, that play was banned when Roy Williams did it to somebody. The safety. That sounds right. Roy Williams played a long time ago. Both Roy Williams is. Even if it was the wide receiver, he played a long time ago. <laughs> like, this is this is a play. Everyone knows that doing that snaps people's legs. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, hit him in the waist. Just don't do it. So, I mean, like, we put dirt. I put dirty play in our story, in the initial story that that ha- that uh, that got, goes up right at the end of the game, and like I briefly considered like whether or not I should say dirty. They were both flagged by the NFL. One player was ejected. I, I have I have zero regrets. Oh yeah. It's it's absolutely dirty and it's like I said, it's just it's a lot of the a lot of the issues that have been bubbling for the Steelers just kinda came up. I think they both teams realized how important this game was and they just reacted very differently. One of these teams were down thirteen nothing and had two running backs out of the game and soon on that play had their rece- their their stud receiver out of the game. And they just kept like going back to work and, and rising up, and so, you know, the Colts have come off as a very mature team this year, and I think you really see that in relation to another team that that, on paper, like dealing the same stuff, backup quarterback, seven six record, uh, but you saw just a massive gap in sort of the resolve of these two. Unsung hero of the game. I'm gonna go with. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, I'll take one. I kind of want to, I kind of want to pair two guys together. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna pair two guys together. EJ Speed, Julian Blackman. Speed, mm. Speed, ten tackles today. Uh, no tackles for loss, which is a little bit surprising, and a fumble force. But if you remember the very first play of the game, EJ Speed was like, "We are not going away." They ran the ball. He crushed the running back, uh, and then. And then the play that, that puts them together is the forced fumble to start the second half. Um, Speed rips it out. Blackman with a very heads-up play to not, uh, to not assume that, that he had been down and then gets his feet in bounds, picks it up. Huge play in the game. Huge play in the game. That Molly Cox scored on the next play. It was 21-13. to 13. The Steelers were essentially done right there. Blackman ends up sealing it with an interception late. So the way those guys worked – you know, speed starts it. They come together in the middle. Blackman ends it for that unsung hero of the game. On what was a better day for the defense than I think most people realize? Yeah, I think it was a really nice day for the defense. I mean, 
you have to relate it. it. You know, the Steelers are a bad offense, so you can grade it on a curve. But they gave up 3.1 yards to carry, along with 15. And they gave up 172 yards passing with two picks. Nate just throwing out numbers of the day right here. Oh, there's so many numbers from this game. I've I've got some others. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I – Th- those are good choices. I'm going to go with – I mean, you could give it to either running back. I'm going to go with Trey Sermon, though, for my unsung hero, the unsung hero, just because I thought he did the best job of sort of – he he did bring the Zach Moss you know, persona to this game, that sort of angry running st- – physical running style that wears teams down. And that's – I told Zach Moss that after the game, that even though he couldn't be out there, like that, that was a Moss-like performance – uh, and that's what uh, Trey Sermon. That's how he ran at Ohio State. That's what you know. Last time he was in this building, not the last time, but the the first time I should say he was in this building and ran for three hundred thirty some yards on Northwestern. And that's what got him on the radar to be a third round pick of the Forty ers And it just hadn't worked out. He'd bounced on three different teams, but this was a guy who was he waited enough for this moment to where he was he was really fresh. I remember talking to him just a couple weeks ago about getting this opportunity, and he was really excited for it. And you you know. It, you, you still had to wait even even with Taylor out to really have that moment where you, where you could take advantage. But 17 carries for 88 yards, 5.2 a carry, and it's it's just really impressive numbers. When he ran, uh, I think he ran six times on that final drive, that or the, that, that huge driver they ran 13 plays in a row. So that was to average 5.2 when the defense knows you're just going to run right up the middle right at them. Uh, was impressive, and he's carrying guys through arm tackles. There was a play where he stiff-armed Cam Hayward, who's got 80 pounds on him. Uh, he th- he was running like the Trey Sermon that we saw in college, and uh, just a fun day to see him get that back and, and see the life come in him to, to be this, you know, to be a player in this moment who, you know, it all fell on his shoulders, him and, and Goodson, but 17 carries for Sermon. Never saw that coming into the day, and I didn't, you know, I don't think anyone would have guessed he'd, He'd have 88 yards either, so props to him. Unsung villain of the day. I'm going to go with Brian Mason. Ooh, bad day for the special teams. Kickoff coverage was bad. Uh, Matt Gay is less him and more Matt Gay. I might be stepping on your unsung villain of the day with Matt Gay there. Um, But uh, pump blocked. Josh Towns actually looked better as a punt returner, I thought, than than Isaiah McKenzie. So mm-hmm. maybe that move, I don't have as much. Of, I have I have some issue with that move in terms of receiver depth, but um, not that I think Isaiah McKenzie is a difference maker, but he's at least played in a big time offense in the playoffs. Um, yeah, just not a good day from the special teams. Pretty bad day from the special teams all around. Um, I, I I know most people think of the special teams coordinator when they think of the kicker, but like. I don't necessarily put that on him. I don't think special teams coordinators are kicking experts for the most part. But the punt block for sure and the coverage for sure, that's definitely him. Yeah, and it's hard to really come up with other villains. So I am going to go ahead with Matt Gay. He's just in a bit of a funk. Just goes to show that he's uh, human. He, you know, Early in the year he didn't look human. But, uh, yeah, another tough day for him where he misses multiple kicks. Granted, one was 56 yards, so you can understand that. But it – it really was nowhere even close, and so it just kind of shows you he's um, he's missing by more than just a tiny bit right now. Uh, the other kick he missed, I forget the yardage, was a lot 43. more forty-three. Forty-three, like that indoors, forty-three yards for him should be automatic. These things are not automatic at the moment, so I mean, it's nothing. I think it, he's got a long track record, so I expect him to to bounce out of it. And luckily for him, you know, for all of them, that special teams didn't, you know, they didn't need it today. Uh, but as we go forward, you know, I think with the special teams in general, there certain personnel losses have caught up to them. I think not having Ashton Doolin and Dallas Flowers, they don't have as many sort of the game changer type special teamers. Some of those guys have elevated up to, you know, starting roles. Like guys like EJ Speed. Uh, they so I don't think it's going to be the, quite this. I don't hold them to quite the same standard that they used to have when they would just consistently change games when Bubba Ventron was here but they've got to raise the floor they've got to get out of having punts blocked and giving up easy return yardage to almost a 40 yard line like they've got to get back to a base level of competence because if they don't you know Cincinnati can be the result too where it just they're the the group that that makes it slip away so uh 
don't know, it's been weird because they, they were so awesome against Tennessee, and then they followed it up with two duds. And so can they get back to something in the middle of that? Can they just be an average special teams unit? Uh, that that's, that's what I think you have to hope for. I kind of think that they've been a step back overall the whole season. I think the Tennessee game kind of masked it a little bit. Number of the day, I'm going to go with 216. 216. That's the number of total yards that the Steelers had mm. on a day when my mentions were mostly about how terrible the defense is and how they should never play football again. <laughs> yeah, there's... Uh, 216 is not a lot of yards. There's a lot of Gus Bradley hate out there, and I'm not sure I understand it. I mean, I understand people just enjoy a more aggressive style and in terms of blitzing, in term, you know, but... They have personnel challenges right now. We saw those early in the game where you've got George Pickens matched up against Jalen Jones and you know, and Juju Brunts is working back in it. He's this guy who like will have a play here, but he'll give up a play. That's young corners. And it's like blitzing with those type of young corners, putting them on islands on the perimeter is not really the answer. So the issue that I have, you know, the one issue I I have with Gus, I think, today reinforced is that I don't under, I still don't understand why Nick Cross wasn't playing uh before last week and we've talked about it all season long and now you see what he's doing going out there and uh just making a gorgeous interception and just looks like a great athlete on the back end so uh my number of the day is 13 which i already kind of used but that's the number of run plays in a row that they had on one drive also the number of first downs that the steelers had total oh fitting uh <laughs> just crazy to think that you can run 13 plays in a row without Jonathan Taylor or Zach Moss, and that it worked. And I mean, it was a field goal drive. They didn't finish off with a touchdown, but it took it took almost nine minutes off the clock. It turned it from a two-score game to a, I guess it was technically, yeah, three-score game at 17 points. And that really just broke the spirit of the Steelers. They were, they were toast once that got, you know, even to like seven run plays in a row. And it was a moment I think this team's going to look back on a lot this year, but that was – that was one of the most fun moments for the offensive line, tight ends, backs, probably the play caller. Uh, you know, it, it's one of the most impressive things they've done this season, I think. My game day observation is going to be very, very short. And it's not really that much of a, like, revealing game day observation. There were too many Steelers fans here. Yeah. They were very loud. Yeah, a lot of towels. A lot no, of more, no more towels. Very angry people, too, because they – Traveled for this game and their team laid an egg. And well, that's not on them though. No, I know, but it just added. It was an it. It felt like too many Steelers fans also because they were. I don't know, they were. They were a bit. They were a bit I, angry. I don't. I some. I, I. I think. I think maybe it was Colin McCullough pointing this out on Twitter, but I can't remember for sure. Somebody pointed out that the towels don't seem to have like any rhyme or reason like to them. Like, should you be waving it when your offense is on the field? I, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't understand. They were getting loud, too, when their offense was trying to score in the red zone. And oh, Peyton Manning would hate that. He would. That was that was kind of odd. I mean, it is interesting, though. Like, the build-up to this game, because I, I went on a Steelers podcast. I've got friends who cover the Steelers, so I was out with, you know, got to see them uh, this weekend. Embedded with the enemy, Nate Atkins. <laughs> exactly. It's just amazing how, like, different – the vibe was in both cities or like the Steelers, everyone around the Steelers looked at this as, I mean, everyone knew it was a bigger game for both teams, but it's almost like the energy around the Steelers was like, we better win this game or else. And now you're going to see a lot of, you know, a lot of over the top takes from them. I mean, a lot of those people want Mike Tomlin fired. They've already fired an offense coordinator. A lot of them, they just don't like a lot of the star players on that team. The Colts didn't have those stakes to any of this. It isn't like, of course they want it. Of course the team itself wants it, but as far as, the fan energy isn't the same because this almost feels like a bonus year. There were, there's no changes to make really big picture changes probably if, if they, you know, if they lose this game. Uh, so I don't know though. It'd be nice. I do agree though. You shouldn't let uh, opposing fans just sort of pack your house for a big game. And you know, I mean, it's, this is a bonus year for the Colts, but like enjoy it because last year was absolutely miserable. And this year you've got a team that, has already doubled the wins of last year and could go to the playoffs. And, you know, they maybe don't have as high of a ceiling. They don't have as high of a ceiling as other teams. But, you know, I've I've only ever covered one playoff 
game across three teams. So it doesn't just happen <laughs> super easily. It's it's still an accomplishment when you can pull that off. So I don't know. Maybe maybe after winning this game, now that they're kind of almost on the doorstep of making the playoffs, maybe maybe people get a little bit more excited. Three football things that gave me joy. Uh, number one, so I was talking to DJ Montgomery. There's a story that's already posted at IndyStar.com just kind of about his journey. Um, and I was asking some version of, like, you know, is is this touchdown, is that, like, the, the culmination of everything you've done? He said, no. For him, it's just having his name on an NFL locker. And, like, there's, there's this piece of sports, and especially professional sports, that I actually think about a lot and maybe don't talk about a lot, but, like, the accomplishment of just making it. Whether you're on a practice squad, like whether you play in a game, um, you get to you get a catch. Like for some guys, that's like all they'll ever get, and it makes them so much better than most of the population, and it's a big deal for them. But we kind of miss it, and it kind of goes past. Like hearing DJ Montgomery talk about it, like sort of like it just kind of brought all that stuff up for me. Just it's it's really it's it's such an accomplishment just to be on an NFL roster, and then to like you know he's he's played for i think five different teams or four different nfl teams uh five different seasons he played for the michigan panthers for like a game the usfl's michigan panthers like uh you know he was saying when he was with the panthers his takeaway was from it was it was eye-opening because all those guys were really grinding hard just for like one chance in the nfl and i don't know that's that's a football thing that gave me joy it's just sort of the realization of a dream just the simplicity of seeing your your name above a locker in an NFL locker room. Yeah, it's this was a game that really just kind of brought out a lot of things that are cool about this job. Is when you see guys who've kind of grinded for so long, who grew up with the dreams that you know, kind of all young football players have of getting to do this for a career and make it to this high level, and um, it ends up being big for them, obviously, but it's also big for all the people that have been in their corner and they're their family and their friends and so you know dj got to have a moment like that and good for him that he was able to bounce back so it's not like his he's you know his one moment was that drop touchdown it they ended up winning a game that he scored a touchdown in and and who knows maybe he'll he'll get to continue playing uh you know they chose to not play isaiah mckenzie and so dj got the chance to go and another guy like that that's one of the moments that gave me joy was uh, Tyler Goodson, you know, he had a run, just like a dashing first down run today, and he get he gets up and he's sort of like pumping up the crowd and he's looking at himself up on the video board, and it's a moment that gets caught on the broadcast and he gets back to his locker and his phone he says is glitching for the number of people back home that are texting him and back home for him is Atlanta, which is where their Colts are going to be next week on Christmas Eve. And he said he has so many friends and family asking for tickets that he doesn't know how to let them know he can't help everybody out. But um, he's, you know, he always knew that he was going to get that, that that game was on the schedule. But this is a guy who signed on the practice squad. He's behind Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor. You know, like there's no reason on paper to think that, that he was going to be able to play that game. But here he is having a big performance today. And we'll see the status of Moss and Taylor. But there's a chance he gets to play again next week and to kind of have that moment coming back home for a guy that up till now has always sat behind loaded running back rooms, whether it's the Packers with, with AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, or, you know, Moss and Taylor here, you know, that's, it was one of the moments that, that brought me joy. Number two football thing that gave me joy. Anytime a quarterback signals to their receiver with his hand while scrambling and then the play <laughs> happens. That is awesome. I love it. I love it when it works. When it doesn't work, it's 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 very disappointing to me. It is funny, like communicating in the literally in the middle of a play, and it's like you're too far away to say anything. So you just like, let's work some some sign language. Uh, yeah, that that was <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, you know, it's it's weird to think about. It's such an awesome moment for Michael Pittman, and then you know, and, and such a tough moment. But I guess the thing that gave me joy was. You know, hearing that he, that Pittman, you know, Shane Sykin talked to him after the game, said he's he's in a pretty good mood. Of course, that doesn't mean he's over the injury, but Molly Cox said he was smiling and laughing at halftime. Yeah, Pittman tweeted after the game that he's good, so he's in the protocol. We'll see, you know, if he can how quickly he can move through that. But 
Uh, but it's 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 encouraging because the, the hit as we talked about was vicious and it's he's down for a while which he never is and it's scary so you just always help those guys get back up and I did think about this with KZ is that uh Ryan Kelly had a quote where he said he was talking about um their offensive line and he said you know when the going gets tough you can either put your head down or you can continue to rise up uh the Colts decided to rise up and KZ decided to put his head down and that was sort of the difference in this game number three football thing that gave me joy Quentin Nelson pulling on Tyler Goodson's 31-yard run. I love it when line. I love it when guards pull. Love it when linemen of all sorts pull. Um, I shouldn't, because I spent most of my high school career uh, as an outside linebacker running into those people, and they were much bigger than me, and it <laughs> hurt. Uh, but I, I love it. I love it when there's a big man on the move. Tyler Goodson had a great quote about that, where he's like, "No DB wants to mess with that." <laughs> Like, just imagine watching that guy, like, gaining steam and you're supposed to go do something about it as a guy who's got, like, you know, just over half the, the body size of him. So, uh, yeah, that was cool. That was uh, – that kind of summed up what today was. It's like the offensive line got to play downhill and just got to beat on people, really. Do you have any more football things mm. that gave you joy? I don't think so. I'm trying to think if there were – any other plays that were fun? Don't want to leave the interlude before we have no have no chance to go back. I know there will never be a chance to go back to this <laughs> moment. Um, I guess the other thing I'd say I just I love Julian Blackman always pointing out the flags, flags to yeah. the other team. It's just very funny. He's so <laughs> dramatic about it, and uh, like he just he just does like it. it makes his skin crawl to see the opponent celebrating and he wants to be that guy that goes yeah but yeah but yeah but and he's just multiple times has been right about that and gets to just play it up and it's always fun yeah that's a good one uh that brings us to uh too much credit too little credit this is a win so it's credit uh we will start with too much credit too much credit for today's win I feel like there's pretty equal credit today. That's kind of tough. Um, I guess it's kind of weird answer. I guess I'm going to go with called secondary because, you know, the Steelers only threw for 169 yards. They got picked off twice, only had one touchdown. Those numbers are great. And I think they made they obviously made some plays. They had two picks, but – Guys were still getting pretty open on the perimeter. There was a third and 20 the, the Steelers were able to convert. George Pickens was looked like, you know, physically overmatching kind of what he was up against. And they just don't have the – the Steelers just have really bad quarterback play and really bad offensive structure. And so Steelers, they don't, they don't throw touchdowns. They don't produce in the air really against anybody. So it's nice to have Juju Brents back. And it's it's certainly encouraging. They're playing Nick Cross a lot, so I do think there are some things to be encouraged about. But I wouldn't look at this performance and think that they've fixed that issue. It's more the Steelers don't ever take advantage of these kind of weaknesses in an opponent this year on that side of the ball. And it would have been really concerning if they didn't shut that part of the game down the way they did. So I just wait and see before you know getting too excited about. You know, whether or not they fix that just by, by getting Juju back. Too much credit for me today. Colts pass catchers. Feed too many drops. Molly Cox with yeah. a drop. DJ Montgomery with a drop. Michael Pittman with a drop. Hard drop. Hard drop. I don't want to say it wasn't. But there there were there have been probably a few too many of bad throw, but also a drop situation so far this year. Um, otherwise, a good day. But too many drops. Too little credit. Too little credit for today's victory. I am going to go with Jim Bob Cooter. He's kind of put it on himself to fi figure out the issues in the run game. Um, Shane Steichen singled him out in his press conference. Cooter doesn't really get talked about a lot because it's Steichen's offense. But obviously, you know, Shane has kind of pushed him for head coaching jobs a couple times now. Um, clearly, he's important to, to Steichen. Uh and yeah, I just give him credit for a, a good plan, and then and then putting that plan into 
uh, fruition as somebody who, you know, Steichen gets a lot of credit for what they've done on offense with all of the injuries that they've had. Cooter probably deserves some too. Yeah, I've I've covered Jim Bob now in two different spots in two very different roles. He used to be the play caller in Detroit. Now he's the guy putting the game plan together. When you make that transition, people kind of forget about you, and they, you know, it's easy to just make this think about the job as a play caller, but. There's so much work that goes into organizing those offensive meetings and building out roles for everybody and managing the expectations. And they've had to do that this season with you know, Michael Pittman. You know, talking about wanting more targets, you're having to weigh that with the fact that you're trying to get Alec Pierce developed versus you know, you know, get Josh Downs some some consistency. There's you know, and then they've had guys so in and out. So uh, I think he's managed things really really well. When they've had issues form. They, he's usually found answers as far as, you know, Pittman getting production or, um, you know, they they've, just for a game we're able to go downfield to Alec Pierce, so we'll see if they can continue to do that. But the run game's another one. Um, you know, when there there have been moments in pass pro, when these these moments creep up where it's like, oh, what are they going to do? He tends to find – they tend to find answers, and, and I know Jim Bob's been a big part of that. Um, so that's pretty good. Uh too little credit. This probably doesn't make sense if you watch the game, but we haven't brought him up yet, so I'm going to go with Dio Adengbo. Uh, Dio had two and a half sacks today, or one and a half sacks today. He had it was almost two and a half, but there was an illegal oh, contact yeah, yeah, yeah. on Jalen yep. Jones that didn't really have anything to do with his rush, and it just was another day of. Uh, it was a. It was not far off of how he played against the Patriots. Just completely overwhelming. This offensive line, I saw him just living in the backfield. This is what happens right now when you move him inside next to DeForest Buckner, where Buckner's going to get a little bit more attention, obviously. Uh, you give one-on-one matchups to Dio in obvious passing situations. He's at this point enough removed from the Achilles injury, you know, learning to build his moves a little bit. He's They, they pushed him to just really trust his his length and strength and play as a, you know, really build him in that attack mindset that they run, and it took time to get there. But we're seeing it now where you don't want to have to block him and Buckner on the inside on obvious dropback situations. So we talked for a few years about can they get enough support around DeForest Buckner. Uh, that's one guy I think has really changed that conversation. And uh, you know, also an opportunity for me to say if you haven't checked it out yet, I did a deep dive story on his uh, his kind of his upbringing and his family's immigration from Nigeria to the UK to. Uh, the U.S. and how this has sort of become their version of American dream they never really knew about until Dio discovered football in the heartland of you know, in the heart of Texas. So, um, so go check that out if you haven't. Um, also, shout out to Samson Evercom. Another sack and a half today. He's he's way up there, way way beyond his career best now. Uh, that leaves us with the finishers, uh, one to throw away and one to go on. Something from this game that people are talking about now that they're that that's not going to be an issue for not going to not it's not going to hold over for the next three games and if the Colts are in the playoffs um I don't I feel like I've used this a lot but it could come up today like all the credit in the world to Trey Sermon and and Tyler Goodson but I don't want anyone looking at this and thinking they don't need their other backs um Today was a wonderful performance from the offensive line. It was those two guys who were fresh. They were ready for their moment. Everything came together. But it's like a lot of things. Like you ask them to do it again and again. These are still backups, and they may be good backups, but they're not. You know, Zach Moss is is pushing for a 1,000-yard season. Uh, John and Taylor, you know, we know what he is as a rushing champion. They're eventually going to have games where their edge in the offensive line isn't quite what it was today. I saw a stat through True Media where – uh, the Colts averaged four and a half yards before contact. That's kind of crazy. They're not going to get that all the time. Today was it was a it was a good matchup for them in the in the sense that the Steelers had two edge rushers who were coming out of the concussion protocol. I don't think were as equipped to handle that part of the game today. I think really didn't look like great effort toward the end of it. Some other personnel losses for the Steelers. Just saying that it will be tougher on on some other opponents to go out there and just just dominate that way. So you're gonna still at some point need those backs who can create something more. Uh, so especially with Jonathan Taylor, 
you know, the explosiveness he has, that's still something that really no other back on this team is going to be able to provide the way that he can provide it. So um, going into next week, especially if they're without Michael Pittman Jr., uh, they, they really, really need to get that explosive running back back in the fold. One to throw away for me is just the uh, the defense is not suddenly going to be great in every game. I think the, I think it's still the same defense. The pass rush has to get home. If the pass rush doesn't get home and they're playing a good quarterback, which they won't over the next two weeks at least, um, the secondary is vulnerable. Uh, the run defense is much improved with Grover Stewart. I think that's important to say. And, and EJ Speed being back today was a big deal too. But I, I still think that pass defense is susceptible if you face the right passing offense. Um, I, I just, yeah, that the defense is what it is because of, because of what we hit on earlier. They, there are issues in the secondary. And if you have good receivers and, and can get the ball out of your hand, you're, you can take advantage of it a little bit. That leaves us with one to go on. This is the thing from today that we are going to take going forward. It will matter for the rest of the season. Uh, I'm trying to remember if I've used this one, but Nick Cross is here, and he's thriving, and he's making enough plays on defense now that I don't know <laughs> that I, I don't see them going back to not playing him. And I think he is in such a confident space matching that up with just outrageous athleticism that I think he's going to continue to make plays. He needs to for them to survive what they've got at outside corner. But I think, you know, they're they're playing him and they have a dime package they like to roll out in real obvious passing situations that puts him in a great spot. Uh, you know, otherwise he's often in that free safety spot. So it's sort of like he is far away from the ball, but his closing speed is so – extreme that he tends to get into the mix of the play either you know he can make a tackle before the the sticks like we saw against Tampa Bay uh or he can he can get in the mix for some of these passes intermediate and down the field like he did on the pick to George Pickens so it's been a weird route to get to this point for him uh but you know I, I he's been chopping at the bit so much all season and they've 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 really liked what they've seen behind the scenes that now that it's happening on the field, like there's just not outside of health, of course, which can constrict any player, but there's not much else that I think is going to, going to really get in his way. Um, so he's here. It, it, we're, we're finally seeing the player that Chris Ballard loved so much that he traded a future pick and then they had to kind of redshirt him for a year and uh, kind of we're, we're seeing, it's kind of like Dio in a way. Uh, that they they kind of played this long game on a really toolsy player that uh, that they had to show a lot of patience with, but uh, I think he's here to stay. One to go on for me is just, um, you know, Shane's. I think Shane Steichen's mentality helps because like this is just me trying to read him. He he doesn't like give us a bunch of this stuff, but when stuff goes bad, I think the reason that he's that they've they've kind of been able to handle it and they've keep morphing and adjusting is because i don't think his brain works in like a oh no what do we do now way i don't think he thinks about the past at all it's just this is a new piece of information i don't have this player in my game plan what's the next thing i, I think his I think his mind is very forward thinking and i think that's why the colts are where they are is because he doesn't really allow them to worry about what they don't have it's just worried about what the next thing is it just that's just kind of how his brain like if you this is this is just me going off of press conferences all year. But if you kind of think about like what the way he talks about injuries and stuff like that, it's 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 not even like a like he 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 always acknowledges that players are great and they're hard to replace. But the way he talks about it is more just like, yeah, okay, that person's out. Next thing up. Yeah, it actually reminds me a lot in that way about like Jim Caldwell really mastered that well. He would just always talk about how he hated to talk about what they don't have. And, yeah, it's working well. And it's it's it showed up in how they bounced back from that Bengals game. Is he The moment he got to that presser after the Bengals game, he just was like, very matter of fact, you know, it was a terrible day and we're going to – it's like a burn-the-tape game and we're, we're moved on, basically. Yeah, and, and, on, and on Monday on Monday he was like, we have to move on. Mm-hmm. And they did. Like today, outside of the special teams showing back up, all the kind of things that brought them down last week went away. And you contrast that, it doesn't always work that way because last year we saw 
you know, that team did not get out of ruts and they just got worse. And that's kind of the Steelers we saw here. The same issues for them are popping up each week. And you're starting to see that in their body language that, that they are kind of lingering on these things that have, have hurt them all season. And, uh, that's not really happening here. Like there have been moments here where you know the run game, run game can't work at all. Uh, you know, there's been pass pro issues. You know, the team has had its struggles at times, but they just they get into the next week and it's like they believe that this will be the week that it's fine. And sometimes I, it is. I think it's important just because like the reality is no one cares if any if someone got hurt. They like, I mean, to some degree, I think Colts fans are taking this season with a grain of salt because it's a quarterback. But outside of the quarterback getting hurt. You know the way the way the NFL works. You just don't get you don't get points. No one gives you no one gives you the benefit of the doubt as a coach. So the way his mind works, I think, is the way it has to. Uh, Colts win today. They're eight and six. Um, we'll see after this weekend exactly where that puts them. It'll, they'll be in playoff position, but whether or not they're a game ahead or you know the, all that stuff, we'll find out tomorrow. What's the Monday night game? Don't know. Is that the Ravens Jaguars? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> can't remember right now it's very late uh but we'll we'll find out where their where their positioning is we'll see if if they keep if they win out maybe they can get that that five seed and go to jacksonville this is so mean he keeps bringing it up (laughs) so mean don't want to go don't want to go i was having a nice night right right up until that uh for the colts cover two podcast i'm joel a erickson this has been nate atkins this is the first impressions edition i'm gonna go home and have nightmares about jacksonville now Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.